0: Welcome to Emotional Sobriety. We have Alan on deck. Tom is soon uh, incoming, and uh, you think he's stuck in, to- in, in town somewhere. Uh, Nashville, I imagine, or he's just outside Nashville, but uh, up to different cow cowboy activities, I imagine. How are you doing this weekend, Alan?
1: Well, you know, the, the my personal crisis continues on, but I am starting to... Accept it more, adapt to it more, and uh, realize that uh, it's, I'm moving into a new chapter in my whole amazing life. And it has been an amazing life. I mean, when I look back over, you know, I'm 72 years old. When I look back over, let's say, the 52 years I've been in recovery, there's been incredible times. I mean, filled with joy opportunities that I could have never imagined or dreamed of and experiences and and love and connection and there's been a lot of pain and dark times and struggles and far from just a straight line to joy and happiness all the time and, and you know and you know that's kind of what we wanted to focus on on this podcast today emotional sobriety and paradox. I went to a um, weekend many, many years ago um, with Father Richard Rohr called Holding the Paradox. And it was a spirituality weekend. And in fact, it was bringing in the new year. I forgot what year I was there. And the whole theme of that weekend was that life is filled with paradoxes. And one of the challenges each and every one of us have is how we deal with these paradoxes in our life. You know, the one that religion really focuses on a lot is the fact that we're, that we're, you know, mortal beings. We're not immortal. That I'm alive right now, but every moment I'm heading towards my death. (laughs) That's a paradox. Right, this moment I'm full of life, but also this moment I am moving towards a state of, of you know, atrophy. I'm going to disappear at some point in time. So let's take a minute and define what a paradox is, because some people, well, I'm not so sure what what that even means, right? So here's here's the definition out of the dictionary I just pulled up: a seemingly absurd or self-contradictory statement or proposition that when investigated or explained may prove to be well-founded or true. So, an apparently or seemingly absurd or self-contradictory statement or proposition that when investigated or explained may prove to be um, well-founded or true. Well, That's the importance of of this discussion today is that our life, if the truth be known, is filled with paradox. Um, You hear Tom and I talk often about the different self parts or the population of selves that exist within Alan Berger or Patrick Newman or Tom Rutledge or you who's ever listening to our podcast. And many of those self parts are in a paradoxical relationship.
0: For my uh, baby's first recovery uh understanding of this is uh admitting powerlessness to take power back. That that is like the initial paradox that I confronted that, in recovery. That's
1: the the initial paradox that we have to confront in order to establish a foundation. See that's what's so important about this is that paradox is really at the And accepting a paradox is at the core of what creates change. And that's why we're we're really focusing in and wanting to discuss this today is because all change is paradoxical. When I accept my powerlessness, I discover what? A new power. Mm -hmm. When I accept that I'm living to die, I can live better. When I accept I'm selfish, I have a chance to be selfless. Southwest. When I accept I'm dishonest and I operate out of integrity, I have a chance to regain my integrity. But see, this is counterculture, Patrick, and I can't emphasize this enough. Our culture is all about just put your mind to it. You can do it. Mm-hmm. What's what's the Nike slogan?
0: Um, you can do it, put your back into it.
1: Just
0: do it. <laughs> oh, just do it.
1: Sorry. Just do it. Yeah. yeah don't sit in paradox. Don't talk about paradox. Just do it, which means claim one side of the paradox and go for it. Make a full commitment to that. But if I'm ambivalent, I can't become committed until I accept my ambivalence and deal with it. See, this is this is at the heart of emotional sobriety. Like right now, I don't want to accept what's going on in my life. And if I keep not accepting it, I'm going to get to acceptance. That's the truth of it. But everybody says, just just move to acceptance. Just accept yourself. Or I was at an AA meeting the other day. And the guy was talking about all of his self-loathing and how we all are filled with self-loathing. And he just says, "And, and we just have to learn and find a way to forgive ourselves. But nobody ever talks about what does that process looks like? What does that process look like? How do I get from self-hate to self-love? By declaring my hatred for myself, not by jumping over that. You see, when we jump over a painful reality that we don't want to deal with, we're using what's called a spiritual bypass. We are avoiding dealing with a situation, and this happens a lot in the program with people, By turning it over to God, let's say, yeah, I I think turning it over to God can get you in a pause, which I think that's the important part sometimes is living in the pause. I'm not so sure. God's sitting there waiting for you to submit a problem that he's going to take into a committee meeting and decide what you (laughs) you should do about it. Mm -hmm. But by turning it over, you start to create a process within yourself where you may discover the solution. You see, it's so funny that we have such a narcissistic relationship with God. We think God is just sitting there waiting to hear from us and is, <laughs> is ready to, to fulfill our request, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's like, um, since I've been a good boy, God, you're going to give me what I want. Yeah, well, R- Richard Rohr calls that thinking of God as terms of creating a, a meritocracy, that you're given you're given grace and love because you've earned it. And, you know, I love the way he talks about God. You don't have to earn anything. God just loves you, period. God is love. It's not earned. It's just there for you to tap into, to be able to connect it to if if you choose to do so. But I wanted to read another um, definition of paradox.
0: And then when you do, I've got a question.
1: All right, good. I like questions. So it's a very similar thing. I went to the American Psychological Association's Dictionary of of psychological terms, and they say the same thing, a surprising or self-contradictory statement that may nevertheless be true. It's the same theme, right? Is that there are these truths because because reality is, is that there are always, always going to be two sides. So if we think of reality on a continuum of light to dark, You can't have light without dark. Dark defines light, light defines dark. The paradox of light in the relationship means that they are both important in terms of defining the other. See, my sorrow right now, you know, Patrick, I've cried with you. You've seen the pain I'm in. You've been incredibly empathetic and supportive with me. But all of this sorrow at some point will lead to me experiencing joy. Not soon enough for my book, <laughs> I mean, for my <laughs> life, right? I'd like it right now, damn it, right? Let it happen right this minute, please, please. I'm tired of crying. In fact, I was talking to Roger about this. I'm just exhausted yeah. with the amount of pain I've been in, man. It's been what? April is when this started? April, May, June, July?
0: Well, That's f- a lot of suffering.
1: Oh my God, man you know, 40 pounds worth. I've lost 40 pounds.
0: Yeah. I mean, you're literally wearing it in, on your body, you know, um,
1: the it, pain. It's a traumatic experience, man. It really is. Is The depression has really, really been tough at times for me to be dealing with.
0: When I see you allow yourself to cry, you know, I'm reminded of my aunt uh, when my uncle passed from cancer and uh, she really gave, allowed herself space for the grief um, as she moved through and out of that. And in myself, I I recognize now looking back that my inability to, to cry or to really like name the things that I was feeling um, warped me. It was really, it, it twisted my, my relationship to the pain. And I guess like my question or my follow-up was going to be um, that paradox of you have to mention the unmentionable you have to this part of yourself that, you know, just disgusts you that you would really like to, um, I guess, eradicate, or maybe eradicate is the wrong word, but you want to mend this part. And I you would just avoid, I, I just felt that if I just shoved it into a corner and put it in the dark, that uh, eventually it would run out of oxygen and it would just dissipate, but that never happened. But that, why is that so, such a common misconception, do you feel, with people that are um, suffering that they, The thing that they don't like about themselves, they got to keep it in the dark. They got to drown it when it cannot be drowned, right? Well, this is that whole idea that if I own
1: these things, that somehow it's going to make me feel less than. If I say I'm, let's say I'm selfish, you're not a good person if you're selfish. So there's this whole pressure, right, to try to be a good person in our culture. But that's why I say this stuff we're talking about is so counterculture, because what we know is if you deny it, it's going to persist. It's not going to dissipate. It's not going anywhere. It's not like it goes away if you stuff it down. It ends up seeping through in other ways. Even And Freud was one of the first people to recognize this. He says unresolved trauma, while well, it gets repressed and buried for a while and you don't think about it. If it's not dealt with, it shows up later on in a really ugly form in your life, in a really ugly form. It comes in and becomes incredibly self-destructive because of the path that it drives you on. And there's so much wisdom and so many of the things that Freud said. So what we, you know, what we know today in psychotherapy and in recovery is that If I deny these things, they're going to persist. What we resist persists. It doesn't go away. So the paradoxical theory of change that this Dr. Beiser really identified and and put words to, he said, "If, if a person tries to change by being someone they're not, they can never change. Change occurs when we own who we are and what we're doing, then a new possibility can exist. But not until we claim it 100 percent As I say that, I'm giving myself a little hope, Patrick. (laughs)
0: That's nothing any, you know, I don't know what happened, um, but for a long time people were telling me that and I didn't buy it. But then something changed.
1: Because it goes such against everything we're taught. How is being powerless and admitting you're powerless gonna help you solve a problem? See, that's that's why AA gets criticized by so many mental health professionals. And I've even heard Tony Robbins say that. I don't buy that AA stuff about being powerless. It's about claiming your power. Well, there's a lot of ways to claim your power. And one way is to claim your powerlessness. That's powerful. When I start to own these things, when I start to own who I am and what's going on, then I have a a chance to change. I'll give you an example of it. And I'm I'm not taking responsibility for, for, for what my... You know, soon to be ex-wife is done, but I realize in this whole thing, it's easy to focus on on what she's doing, how she's behaving, what she's dealing with, what she's not dealing with, all that other stuff. But on my side, and and this is this is the I think real important thing. There's an opportunity in this crisis for me to grow myself into a into what I can be, into a meaning to grow myself towards greater integrity. So let me tell you what, what this has brought up for me in one area of my life. In a lot of areas, you know me, I'm a pretty free guy. I say what's on my mind. I There's not a lot of things that I stop myself from doing. You know, I live my life pretty seamlessly. You've been in my house. You see how I function, how I am in, in psychotherapy, how I'm in, in these podcasts is how I show up downstairs when I'm Having lunch with you guys, right? Or when I'm interacting with my kids. At least I hope so. Is that right your, on?
0: That's been my that, experience. That's
1: your experience with me, right? You don't see that burger puts on one face here and another face here. My life is pretty integrated across a lot of, of different areas, right? Yeah, you're cool like that. Well, it's it's that's take thank you. Thank you for that. It's taken a lot of work, but the one area I'm not as free in is I'm very shy sexually in the bedroom, in intimacy, and I realized that one of the things I want with whoever I end up as my next partner is to have the freedom in the bedroom that I experience across the other areas of my life. Now, it's taken 52 years for me to admit that. I'm admitting it publicly. I'm shy sexually, (laughs) and I want to overcome that, and so what I did was is I sought out a body therapist who does this specific work on helping people deal with their, their their, being able to embrace their sexuality and to be able to own it and to go with it. So two weeks from yesterday, I'm having this two-hour body session that's scarce. Right now, my mouth just dried up. That <laughs> scares the bejesus out of me because I'm going to open up such a vulnerable area makes me even cry as I start to think about it but it's an area I want to open up I want that freedom man I want to be able to to enjoy you know a partner in the bedroom fully and be able to look at their eyes and be able to keep contact with them you know to have that greater degree of intimacy I long for that that would be so meaningful for me if I can do this work and and get some help in being able to overcome my shyness. So that's an example. Without owning that, and I haven't for a long time, I tried to be more okay when I didn't feel okay. Guess what? That's a
0: remarkable amount of self-care. I I really uh, admire you for that.
1: Well, you know, look, it didn't work.
0: (laughs) I gotta tell you, man, I tried to
1: be okay, and it didn't work. And now I want to do what I can to get okay in this area so I can live a fuller life and embrace all that life and all that a relationship has to offer me, whoever that next person may be that I may be lucky enough to take this journey with. And and, and we may be able to enjoy ourselves and to really, really be able to reap all of the benefits of what a safe relationship can yield. And that's the other thing I've got out of this. So I'll tell you another paradox I've had. Mm-hmm. I've tried to create safety by being invulnerable. Mm. <laughs> now think about that. I tried that, that same thing that Beiser was talking. About. I tried to be invulnerable to create safety instead of owning how unsafe I felt. Now I am owning how unsafe I feel. And I'm really making that a real focus on my life. But I couldn't get there until I own that. I want to be invulnerable. And I don't want anybody to be able to hurt me and to have any real meaning to me because I don't want to, to get crushed again, like I've been crushed. So my God, here are all these paradoxes that I'm starting to confront in my own personal life at 52 years, August 1st a couple days from now man Yeah, i was gonna
0: say your sobriety birthday's coming up it's
1: right around what is it, it, it there's tuesday, tuesday or something yeah there's 31 days in 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 july that august 1st i will have 52 years in recovery and what a journey it's been man what an amazing journey and this amazing journey is not over So, you know, in our podcast in a couple of weeks, I'll share what my experience was with this one person. And then I'm also working with another body therapist on, I was sexually molested when I was young, when I was about 10 years old. And, um, and also it happened when I was in the Marine Corps. And I've got to deal with some of that too, because I think that feeds into some of what's going on with my shyness as well. So, you know, some things are opening up for me, man you know, hopefully this work will help me be able to create the and, and integrate this freedom that I enjoy in so many areas of my life in all areas of my life.
0: It's a lot of bravery, really.
1: Well, it's, it's the bravery is coming out of man being in a lot of pain, Patrick.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's a bravery. There may be some courage in it. There's also some desire for more to be able to finally you know be able to reap all of the benefits that I think emotional sobriety has to offer us man
0: emotional sobriety is greater than uh, or more useful than invulnerability and invulnerability is unattainable and uh, the idea of invulnerability is very appealing especially to a lot of men and i think i can fall into a pattern of or just i want to i want to take out an insurance policy on any pain ever touching me but there's just nothing no way to do that, no way to accomplish well, that. I took it out it didn't work. <laughs> <I'll> <laughs> you, you I did you your my, best
1: <laughs> I, I did my best baby I tried to my whole life was a test of my invulnerability as Dr Miller said to me one of the uh, the fellows that I've been consulting with to get some help with all this and and he said you know Al it's
0: it's so important that now you can surrender that. Hmm. I'm reading that codependency no more book and uh, I had to take a checklist or there's an activity on the third chapter. And I, I checked every box. I mean, literally there's like a zero one and a two next to like every quality of a codependent. Yeah. And, um, and so anyway, that made me feel, um, I don't know if I, I would, I don't, maybe shame is too strong a word, but I definitely felt like, well, this is a, um, this is a spectrum that I need to be putting more, giving more attention to in terms of like, where i can muscle up or th- these aspects of myself i can confront um and uh about to start couples therapy with um my girlfriend that's right and it's on the horizon yeah and i have hope about it i have hope that like both i, I feel that her and i are in um uh, better alignment than we've been historically about like there's places we could go with this therapy. There's like, there's things, there's, there's the potential for success. Yes, that's right. And I haven't, we haven't always been, um, aligned about like the hope for that. Um, but then also that like, um, oh, I was going to, I was going to bring up in the context of paradoxes, detachment is a thing that I uh, just read about in this book about codependency and the paradox of, to love somebody more fully, you need to be able to let go of like obsession about their actions or the things that they're going to do. And, um, and you know what, and I, and I wanted to put this to you baked into that, or at least the way it was written about that I was reading is like, you need, I felt the I felt that this book was asking of me, you need to trust that however things turn out, that it's going to be It's going to turn out the way that it was meant to be or that, you know, like when the chips fall, you know what I mean? Like in the long view of history. And we don't even
1: have to we don't even have to, I think, invoke destiny as a way of dealing with it. We could just say things are going to turn out the way they're going to turn out. Our job is to deal with however they turn out. Now, if it helps you to say, well, this is how it was meant to be to deal with it. okay. but you could also say, you know what? This may not be what I wanted. This may not be how I think things should have turned out or wanted things to turn out. But regardless of what I wanted, I'm powerless at times. Now, there's I'm not powerless in terms of how to deal with it, but I've got to accept my powerless that things are going to happen that I don't necessarily want to have happen. This is once again the paradox, right? There's things that I can influence in my life, and there's things that I don't. That's a that's a paradox. There's things I have power over, things that I don't. And see, that's what I mean about embracing it. Because see, I think what we try to do when we say, "Well, this is how it was meant to be," we're trying to have power over it. Oh, I've got control, no, right? Over it. <laughs> yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. That's why this is happening. It was supposed to. Act. No. It's happening because it's happening. Now deal with it. I mean, see, it's that
0: kind of a thing that we want people to understand. That makes a lot of sense. And um, and I suppose the, the, the detachment is in reference to detaching from unproductive control, unproductive worry. Yeah,
1: trying to control the other person's behavior. That's the detachment part and worrying about taking care of ourselves and, and putting the effort towards getting ourselves centered.
0: These contradictory notions on our path to recovery keep cropping up again and again after that initial uh, contradiction between uh, yeah. claiming power and admitting powerlessness. And I just wanted to know, like, you know, uh, what is your view of the the paradoxes inherent in recovery? Yeah. Can you speak to how those uh, can be helpful? I mean, rather than thwarting of our desire. Well, oh, yeah, well. and,
2: and you're right. The, 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 origi- the, the original paradox is... Uh, you know, it, because one of the things that, you know, that, that people lose sight of pretty quickly, you know, with, with the 12 steps in, in addiction recovery is that the first step doesn't say we're powerless people. It says we're powerless over alcohol, which, and ultimately in our, in our language, the way we talk about it now, it means we're, we're, we're powerless over our addiction, which in, in which we can take it even farther and say, what does that mean? I, that means I'm powerless over the fact that I have it. You know it's just like it's like whatever whatever it is it's like it's i just i i have i have that condition uh you know and so so once you know once once you can you know and of course the, the original paradox is is if you if you want power if you want power back in your life you know if you want to and that's the unmanageability part then you, you know, with humility you totally acknowledge your powerlessness yeah that's and that's yeah, but the, I but see that the, and yeah and I just think they show they do show up all the time. But one of the things that got get my attention about that and probably got my attention the other day when uh, when we were in Thursday group and Thursday meeting and and Alan was talking about it is is I, I like I like panning back on on uh, paradoxes because w- what ends up happening for me is they're not they're not contradictory. They just coexist. I mean it's 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 a it's very it's very much what a lot of my intra personal uh intrapersonal um, process is about. It's like the idea is is, you know, so I have I have you know one part that thinks you know this is a good idea, and then you know, the, the, you know, we could say we could do we could do something more subtle, but we just say drinks drinking is a good idea. And part of me that says no, it's not that kind of thing. and say, like, okay, well that's that's what do you get there? Well, that's a standoff. Well, it's not really. It's like when you pan back far and, you, and we and we get to the place and say what we want to be able. What people often will think is, okay, the problem there is the 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 the, the addiction. So and our language is so often how do we get rid of it? How can I get rid of it? Or if somebody, somebody has self-hatred, hate they say, how do I get rid of this voice? If somebody has an eating disorder, how do I stop this voice? It's like, and of course, you know, I mean, I think I put this in embracing fear is the idea that with, in terms of fear, like everything else, it's like bad news, good news. The, 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 the bad news is you want to get rid of this. And we have no way of doing that. The good news is, and it's really good news. We don't have to, because it, it, its existence alone is not a problem. You know, it's only when we dig in, it's, it's when we, you know, what we resist persists. I mean, there's so much, so much wisdom in those old alcoholic anonymous, you know, cliches. And it's like, um, you know, it's, so we pan, we pan back to something and say, this is a paradox. You go like, no, it's not. It's just, there's just two different parts of this process or two, even just two different parts of me. And so the idea is not we're going because because I think a lot of times um, when we think paradox, we, we think we think there's a conflict that has to be played out. And in fact, what it is, is that's where, you know, what I teach people to do is is rather than, you know, go into go to battle is, you know, you you, you create or you, we, we don't create it. We actually discover that that wiser voice in us, that recovery voice, I often call it. And um and and it is the it is the wiser parts of ourselves. And it's the one that that comes in and says, I'm in charge. You know, not not I control everything, but I'm in charge. That means I'm gonna make the decisions. And so I can have a part of me that thinks I can have tequila boy over here thinking drink is the greatest thing in the world. I can have another guy back over there think you reminding me, you know, what, what a piece of shit he thinks I am, you know, and I can and I can be over here is the as the uh, decision maker as a recovery voice decision maker and I can even feel bad because that stuff's going on it doesn't feel good but it's like I can still make the right choice I can still say yeah well I, yeah I, I realize that you 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 know you know you're a piece of shit I'm not surprised you think that I understand you've always thought that I don't expect you know we it's like we talk about with expectations with the emotional sobriety you know, I, you know, I don't ex- stop expecting people to be somebody other than they are, including those characters on the inside of us. It's like, you know, it's like Tequila Boy's always going to want to drink. He always, he does. No, he doesn't. He wants me to drink. It's like I, I don't know that Tequila Boy's ever had a drink in his life. To tell you the truth, but, but <laughs> he's a because, teetotaler. Because, yeah. Yeah, he probably is. It's what like, a jerk. you know, because the self, because what I know, and maybe this is getting a little off off uh, on, on tangent, but it's like. You know, it's it's interesting to me. It's, it's fascinating to me actually that that these 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 saboteurs in our heads, these cri- this cri- critical or that's kind of lightweight, the uh, condemning voices in us, they don't seem to ever have a crisis of confidence. You know, the part of me that tells me I'm a piece of shit, he doesn't ever sound like he's doubtful. He doesn't. He doesn't say, "I think you're a piece of shit." Now you you might want to consider. You know, that I I don't know for sure. You know. Have you ever had, you know, you don't have those guys like that. They go, no, you are a piece of shit, period. And it's like, you could give the best argument on the planet about why you're not. And he would sit there and go, right. And therefore you're a piece of shit. You know, we're, you know, we're not going, that's why I always say these, these kind of saboteurs are more like bots than they are actual authentic parts of us. But the bottom line is we get, we get caught up in these power struggles with these and we don't, you know, and that's the place where when, when people see that as paradoxical, you know, it, it's like, no, you, we don't have to do anything. This is about, you know, this goes back to Nathaniel Brandon's stuff, what Roger Andy's teaches us so well. It's, it's, it's acceptance. It's like and acceptance. And I always want to point out to people, acceptance doesn't mean you like it. As a matter of fact, it's never a challenge to accept something that we like you know if somebody if somebody brings me ice cream right now i'm not going to have a trouble accepting that i'm going to go let's go for it we're going to have trouble accepting things that we that we are not we're not happy with we don't like a lot but the idea is what we're learning is that its existence uh, it's its existence in our in our world or in my intrapersonal world is not in and of itself a problem as long as i know who i am And I am that recovery voice, that decision maker that's able to say, and and basically because I, you know, and this is one of the things I say, it doesn't, you know, it's, when you have, when you have these sabotaging voices that, that beat the crap out of you, it's like, even, even when you're doing better, you know, and you know, this, you, you know, it's not a, it's not an all or none thing. And even when you're doing better, you can have a bad day where the, those guys are just railing on you. They can you know, I can still have that, that where they're just, and sometimes I can hear them anymore. And sometimes it just feels like they're, they're just in there doing, you know, back in the back rooms, just, just doing something and it feels bad, but this is the place where, we get to what, what you know, what I've learned to refer to as you know, feeling bad doing good. It's like I because I can because the idea we don't measure how we're doing in our in our world and our recovery in our life by all. It's it's one element how you're feeling, you know, but it's not the most important element. It's like, that's, I think a lot of times, I mean, that's the stuff that gets us caught into addiction. Think about that. If we want to feel good all the time, you know, now, of course, the ways that you know, that we figured out how to do that are very, very temporary, you know, and create lots of uh, high cost afterwards, but they actually do work in the short run. You know, it's like, I, I, I'm imagining that it's been 37 years, but I'm imagining that, that tequila is going to do the same thing to my brain that it used to do, you know, and it's, and it's like, so, and I, and I remember, I remember that fondly, you know, but what I, what my recovery voice has done is also remembers the rest of the, you know, the pan back, the rest of the story and the the rest of the story is no, I'm not going to do that. I am certainly willing to feel bad today in order to do good. You know, I'm not going to just because I'm, you know, and and I think that's important for people to in, in self and to get for their self-esteem to realize, you, you know, just because you're having a hard time or because you're feeling bad about yourself, that does not, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean, at least it done to me that, that your self-esteem is suffering. You know, I mean, sometimes some days, I mean, I feel good about myself because, you know, I, I, I met my responsibilities. I, you know, I didn't, you know, if I'm having a hard time, I didn't, I didn't leak that out sideways to be snarky with my wife or something, you know, I, I understood I was having a rough, rough time and I you know got some support for myself and maybe, maybe what I did that was really honorable that day was just kind of keep my mouth shut. You know, when, when I, when in the past, I would not have done that. And it's go kind of like, I like the idea that at the end of the day, you know, we're looking for self-respect. We're looking for integrity. How do I feel about, how I did today, and part of that—watch me try to to bring in the the topic again. Part of part of that is understanding that there's a lot of contradictory stuff, paradox, maybe, and otherwise. But there's lots of contradictory stuff in here that we're not we're not ever going to find a place of unanimity we're not going to find a place where you know i i don't think i could get a unanimous vote on where to go to dinner in my head it's like <laughs> you know there's there's always the guy that always holds out for mexican no matter no matter right what. you got the it's, entire un in there <laughs> it's like it's like but we don't need the unanimous we don't need the unanimous vote we don't have to we can pr- go ahead and under and and because and, i think that's what gets people discouraged is thinking that I still because I'll hear that from my clients you know they'll after I'll teach them and they learn and but we we we've, we've just learned this this way of thinking about you know ba- basically judging everything including ourselves. this is bad so it should be gone. It's like no it's just it, it it's not bad it's just it just is you know so there are some of us who have, Uh, 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 you know, and you know, it's a metaphor. So we don't even have to say it's a voice, but we use that a lot because we kind of identify with that metaphor, but we have a voice that tells us that, you know, to to, to clever ways to escape reality, to to get away from our feelings when they're uncomfortable. It's like, you know, it's like, is that, is that a problem? And it's like, you talk to somebody who's got some, some, you know, some recovery under their belt and they'll go like, no, that, that's not the definition of a problem. That's, that's, that's a description of something that's going on inside of me sometimes. And it's just something that I'm much, I'm much happier with nowadays that I know what it is mm-hmm. so that when it speaks, it's I'm no longer, you know, it, we, I always say d- 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 um, surprise is denial's last holdout, you know? So a lot of times with, with human, with, with our interpersonal relationships, as well as our intra, you know, some of these things will come back and say something. We go, Oh my God, I can't believe that's still there. It's like, well, fuck, of course it's still there. where you know it's not going to go anywhere it's going to be there what's going to change is the credibility of you know the credibility of my should monster the credibility of self-hatred the credibility of addiction or addictive thought and stuff it's like it's not there anymore. It's sort of like it's. It's sort of like I. I hear it. You know, it really is a a thank you for sharing. Or a lot of times, what I teach people, and I probably talked about that here. Some is, is I call it quiet defiance. You know, where the where the the saboteur voice speaks, and you just it's fun to act it out. You just you just kind of glance to the side, look at it for a minute. And then you go right back to what you were doing. You know, it's just, it's just sort of, you just, you're just dissing them. You're just putting them, you're not being Mm -hmm. mean. You're not, you're not being, you're not trying to fight back. You just, you're just saying, okay, I know you're there. I see you. I hear you. I know who
0: you are. No, thanks. This reminds me of um, another foundational paradox. Um, A guy in a meeting I was at one time said that uh, recovery is about living peacefully with unresolvable issues. And ah, uh, that is that is a hell of a contradiction, because an unresolvable issue should be a splinter in our mind that uh, just drives us up the wall and is just constantly driving us, I guess, to uh, some kind of solution or resolution. Mm-hmm. But um, that's the point of being unresolvable. So we don't maybe we don't, you know, maybe one day. Right. But for at least today, yeah. in this moment, we don't know a way out of it. So we must find some measure of peace. Uh, now say really that again. Li- living peacefully with unresolved issues or unresolvable, unresolvable issues. Issue. Yeah.
2: I love that because, you know, because I'm going like, okay, the human condition, What what's the synonym? What can we say? It's an unresolvable condition. You know, we're never going to stop being human. You know, we, we, you know, we make, a we make a lot, we learn to, to, to hold ourselves accountable in lots of ways we, we you know one of the things that you know sometimes you know as you know that sometimes people who've not been around recovery very much or never not been in a 12 step meeting ever will will make the mistake of 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 making this this judgment that oh this the, the, the the addicts, you know, in the, those meetings are always making excuses for themselves and they're not taking responsibility for themselves and go like, well, anytime you hear that, you go like, well, that person's never been to an AA meeting because, because, you know, if, 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 if AA is going to air, it's going to air in the other direction. In my opinion, it's going to, it's going to be too hard on people who they don't need to be, but it's like, like but it's because it, it's, but the, but the truth is it's there are lots of things we just you know it's and it comes down to the Serenity Prayer you know that, and ultimately that's what it is it's like of the things we can do then we need to step up and we need to do those things and and what we're talking about panning back with these paradoxes it just falls into the category of things that are not in the realm of our ability to change anything we just notice them that's a beautiful that's a wonderful almost entertaining way to look at that it's living peacefully and with un, un, unresolvable issues. It's like, because uh, yeah, I think, you know, the response of any good Buddhist that I know would just say, like, yeah, you know, it's like, but see, that the piece is, we make that additional assumption, our, especially our little Western minds, that an unresolvable issue is unacceptable. It has to be resolvable. It's like, yeah, no, it doesn't.
0: Well, and that's, well, that's what the project of my active addiction was about. It was yeah. to make sure that uh, I never had to sit with anything that was yeah. unresolvable.
2: Right. Well, and we were creating the illusion that these things were resolvable. We were, we were conning ourselves into believing that we, that we could, we could take care of that stuff. And and no, but, 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 but the good news of recovery, a lot of times are part of the big good news is, is just that piece. I just saying, no, we don't have to resolve the unresolvable. I mean, by very definition, it's (laughs) unresolvable. So what we do, we accept it. Mm. You know, and what is unresolvable? Our human imperfection. It's like, okay, that doesn't mean we can't improve. We can do better. Some days better than others. And in 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 my progress is not always, it's not linear. It's not always up, 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 up and away. It's like one of the things that I think is really important for uh, those of us who are recovering from, among other things, perfectionism, is that we need to realize that, that uh, every every day because the perfectionism will say every day you have to be better than you were the day before. Mm. Well, <laughs> that's that talk about an unresolvable issue. It's like that's not true for me. Now now over time, you know probably I could even say kind of my worst self these days is likely to be better than the, the, my best self, you know a couple of decades ago. You know, so I think over time there is that kind of growth where we get better and better and better. But as far as just the in the moment kind of thing, it's like, you know, and and it's one of the things that that probably gets as much response as any that I hear from uh, from the group on Thursday night from responses is the, the, how valuable it is for them to hear anybody talk about having the humility to be able to say, you know, I can, I can have confidence in myself. Now I can have confidence in my recovery. And I can also totally fuck things up in a minute, you know, and it's like, and I'm not going to, and I, and I do not have to sit in judgment of myself. I do not have to go back into the idea of like, that's unacceptable for me to fuck up because well, it better not be unacceptable because I do it. Yeah, You know, and it's like, I want to learn from it every time. And I never into those people who think we're making excuses. No. And begging excuses never, you know, never uh, acceptable. It's like, you know, I mean, the little nutshell I have is, you know, you learn, learn, you learn from, from fucking up and it becomes, you know, success. You know, cause what did you do? I learned something.
0: Right. Well, I mean, it's it's taking a long view of progress and of recovery. and yes, uh, yes. Minor deviations. Minor deviations. You know, if mm-hmm. uh, we can put them in the right positive context, mm-hmm. um, then uh, you know that's that that uh, that line's going to straighten out eventually. I feel mm-hmm.
2: like. Yeah, over the in the big picture. Yeah, See, I think I really do think the, the you know this is this is something I think is, is just uh, is becoming more naturally natural to me at the age I think is, is is take, taking the 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 you said the long view or the pan back version, is because th- things are going to make more sense that way even even when they don't make sense even if I can look at stuff and because one of the things that I'm a big believer in is that that hindsight is is really the only accurate insight that we have, our little human conscious minds they love to be involved in everything. You know, they, they just love the, and so they, you know, we, and so we have this kind of, I think of it as the delusional thinking and I, and I can have it as much as anybody that, that my, my insight is going to cr- cause this wonderful, great change in me. It's like, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I could, I, we could find examples of that the insight where it gets you started, but ultimately the best insight comes with hindsight. When you look back and you go, You know what, for the last few weeks, you know, I have not been feeling that same anxiety that I've, that I, or even just the last couple of days, I haven't been feeling that same anxiety I used to feel and that I was talking about earlier, you know, in in, in a couple of meetings ago, it's like, so we, 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 And how did we do that? Well, we did that by making those little changes, you know, by, by going to practice, doing things that we, you know, somebody makes a suggestion, we say, okay, well, fuck it. Why not try it, you know, or, or sometimes just realize you know, just change something. It's like, it's like, if, you know, the, one of those, one of the questions you can always ask yourself is, is, you know, you know, in, in, in this situation that I just met, you know, felt like I made a mistake or, or messed up in this situation, what did, what did I do? What did I do that was predictable of me, you know, and what could, I what might I do different that might be
0: surprising? Can I ask, uh, how's things looking for tomorrow?
2: Uh, it's going to be early. I go, I I've never been to chemotherapy, so I'll go to chemotherapy and, and I'm just right now, I'm just grateful that we're finally starting treatment. So after afterwards, I I may have lots of, lots of moaning and and whining and complaining, but it's like right now, you know, I got, I've got chemo tomorrow morning i'm assuming that's a longer appointment to get it all set up you know this protocols and everything get set up first time i think i think ordinarily when i go in there it'll be an hour hour and a half but um is now is this
0: the one where they have like an iv drip that kind of drips the
2: it's um i don't know it's uh, it's an infusion i think not i think i think this is this isn't the because that's that's what i've done with when i've sat with people through um through chemo before where they go and it's like you know, that's that's uh heavy duty chemo where you know they just basically poison the whole person to kill the cancer mm-hmm. uh and try to get the person to live through it it's um i, I you know, i'll tell you after tomorrow but i i think um i think it's just a, a iv infusion and i only have it i only have it once a week Um, it's, um, and probably they tell me probably five times is, is what I'll have. And it's like, so I have like, I have like 30, 35 radiation treatments. This is primarily a radiation, uh, regime and it's, and it's like, and I'll have, I'll have, um, five days a week. I'm, I'm doing radiation and on Wednesday mornings, I'll be going and doing, uh, doing chemo, uh, and still doing radiation that day. So, so it's, it's like seven weeks of that, of that. And, um. Yeah. I'm hoping it's not that, but it's like, you know, whatever. I, I trust these people who are treating me. I like them all and they, and they seem to, to know what they're doing. So I'll, I'll just, you know, rather than, cause, and that's a, that's a good example of something that is different for me than it would have been. It's like, I, you know, it's, yeah in the past i you know i grew i learned this from, from my family and it became very masterful it. i i would be coming up with, without even knowing i was doing it i would be coming up with all kinds of angles on how you know, st- basically stories telling myself to scare the crap out of myself about what this process was going to be like and um and i haven't been doing that i mean even to the point where it's like i've noticed the talking to people about it is like, you know, and and I've acknowledged that like, and I just did to you. It's like, it's very likely that, that I, that I am being uh, far more upbeat than I'm going to be in a, in a couple of weeks. It's like about this, but it's, it's like, you know, I also, but I'm a big believer that worrying, worrying on something ahead of time before it happens. It doesn't do any good. So I'm, so I'm having as nice a time as I can. and And the truth is, this is one of the things that people will tell me I'm crazy about sometimes. I, you know, I'm not, I'm not making a joke when I say I'll go, I'll go to, I'll go to chemotherapy tomorrow morning and try to have as, I'll have as nice a time as I can have, you know? And it's like, there's no, you know, I'm a real believer that it's fine. You can have a good time doing that, Hmm. you know? It's like, I, I had a guy one time when I was standing back in the days where, when you got traffic tickets, you had to go to traffic school physically, you know, I was standing in one of those long lines at traffic school and do talking to people, doing whatever. And, and this guy behind me is this kind of a grumpy guy. He goes, he, he, he said, excuse me. He said, he said, are you having fun? And I, I go <laughs> like, yeah, I guess I am. It's like, you know, and it's like, I realized in that conversation that it's like, a lot of people don't know how to do that, you know? I bet you do. You it's a natural thing for you, right? Maybe.
0: Yeah. I bet Well, well I think it's gonna go well. I think it's gonna yeah. go well for you.
2: Well, I, I yeah, me too. I'll, i I want to get through it. I wanna I wanna feel as as uh not I don't want to feel horrible go, going through it and
0: uh I'll be glad when it's done. In more ways than one, you're properly equipped. So I think yeah. uh yeah, I'll just be thinking of you and uh thank you. Hopefully you can uh you know, pop in whenever you're feeling, uh, feeling good and uh, we can mm-hmm. chat about it. Well,
2: we, we, yeah. And we and everybody on this team tells me that I'm not going to be, they, they say, it's unlikely. I'm going to be feeling bad for a while. They say, they say, you use, I, I gather that it's really the, 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 the repetition of the radiation that basically is going to I've heard everybody I've talked to who's had radiation treatment says in one way or another, they say they cannot possibly describe the kind of fatigue that comes with it they go it's like it's just different than anything else but it's just profound so um i mean i feel good to have that information i feel and what it means is what i'm going to do is i'm not going to fight that at all that's that's on practice what we were just talking about and just accept it and go like that that's part of what goes
0: with this well i think that about does it for today okay I love you and
1: I love what you're doing for us here in this podcast and all that you work. And I don't know if I've been as vocal about it here in the podcast, but I hope you know how grateful
0: I am that you're in my life. I'm just so grateful to have you in my life. And we have Roger Andes uh, coming up on the podcast and Celeste Yvonne uh, is a guest that we can all look forward to. So thank you so much.
3: Change your life. Change your myth. Cultivate your narrative with whomever you're with. Then we glass and hand and children on one knee. Bring some stories. Bring your stories back to me. It ain't a crime to be a human. Never be ashamed to be yourself. Rest assured that whatever you're doing. Entertain me like nobody else. So here's to us, my old friends, until it's time to drink the wine and break the bread again. With glass in hand and children on me. Bring some stories. Bring your stories back to me.